just becoming friends with them is the first time I, I actually became a friend with somebody uh, from a different country that spoke a different language. And I remember through that experience, I made a promise to myself, I'm gonna learn Spanish because I wanna be able to be better friends with them. Hey y'all, and welcome back to Native Soil. This is episode eight. You might say ocho, bienvenidos a nuestra tierra nativa. This is gonna be a Hispanic flavored uh, episode, but I wanna start off by saying, um, when I first became vocation director, Archbishop Brody, one of the first things he did, he sat me down and he, he showed me our vocation poster. And he said, you know, we're really blessed to have all these guys, but uh, I do want you to notice uh, all these guys look pretty much the same. They're white kids <laughs> from around the diocese. He said, I would love for that to be more diverse. I would love to see more vocations from our uh, African-American community, from our Hispanic community, from our Asian community. You know, from I would love for all the communities in our diocese to be represented on this poster. That was one of the first things he said to me. And I really uh, took that to heart. And... Um, I want to share just a personal story kind of of my own connection with the Hispanic community. When I was in high school, a guy from our parish was in charge of the maintenance at Wind Lakes Golf Course. For those of you uh, who are familiar with Montgomery, Wind Lakes is a little neighborhood with country club community. And um, this guy, Dennis Weber, he oversees all of the, the maintenance. And so I was asking him for a job one summer. And I remember he only asked me one question in my interview. He said, Victor, uh, can you speak Spanish? I'd taken three years of high school Spanish at that point, which means, no, I cannot speak Spanish. But being a little prideful, I was like, yeah, I can, I can speak Spanish. Yeah, no problem. He's like, okay, that's all I need to know. So for the rest of the summer, it was just me with all of my friends from like Mexico, Guatemaltecos, and like all of my Hispanic friends. And it was a really rich time. I think it was the first time in my life where I ever met somebody from just a totally different world than I was in. Uh, now, at one point, they were always speaking Spanish and joking and things. And, and the thing that got me really engaged was I remember them pointing at me and many times they would say flojo. And I'm like, what is this flojo? It's like went home and looked it up and I realized it means lazy. And I was like, OK, it is on. Like, I'm learning Spanish and I'm going to be part of this conversation. And so, um, you know, but they were really good. They helped me understand a lot of things and kind of took me under their wing. Most of the guys I worked with, um, I remember about 10 guys would show up in a van uh, that was coming from like Union Springs. And they were all living together in like a trailer park, getting money and sending it back home to support their family. A lot of them were married with children back home that they hadn't seen, you know, in several years, but making these great sacrifices to support their family. I never even knew people lived that way until meeting them. It wasn't even on my radar that that was like a thing that people people could do. And um, just becoming friends with them is the first time I, I actually became a friend with somebody uh, from a different country that spoke a different language. And I remember through that experience, I made a promise to myself, I'm gonna learn Spanish because I wanna be able to be better friends with them. My plan at the time was to become a doctor like my dad, so I always thought it would be cool to be able to serve that population and speaking Spanish. 
So I was blessed to have good professors in uh, high school and college. Um, I was even I was able to do like a two month study abroad thing in Chile for a couple of months. I lived with this Chilean family and we took classes at a local university. We made some Chilean friends and traveled around. It was a really rich experience. Now, none of that time when I was in Chile, I was on my way to seminary. So I knew then that God had this idea for me being a priest. But when I first had that first encounter, I did not know I was going to be a priest. But the Lord was already preparing me for, um, you know, my future ministry. And now that I have been ordained a priest, uh, because I can't speak Spanish, I found myself uh, involved in a lot of things Hispanic. My, my, even my priest friends give me a hard time. <laughs> like, Victor, do you think you're Hispanic or something? You're like always at these different Hispanic things. And it's just, it's just God's providence. I've always had a heart for it. There's some, I've always loved diversity. I've always loved meeting people from different cultures. But I, it's funny looking back to see, okay, I'm cutting grass in Wind Lakes and Montgomery, but the Lord's doing something in my heart. And he's doing something in my spirit to kind of prepare for me to come back to my native soil one day with new skills and new perspective to be able to serve the people here. I say all of that um, because I wanted to share with you a little bit about a retreat very similar to what I shared about Enigma that we started uh, about five years ago called Hombres por Cristo. And I was not the vocation director. It was actually Father Travis Burnett, who's now out in, uh, he's the pastor of Sacred Heart in Grove Hill and and Butler, um, Grove Hill and Butler there. But anyways, he was a vocation director before me and he and Olga Villar, who used to be the head of our Department of Hispanic Ministry, contacted me about starting a uh, vocational retreat for Spanish-speaking men. And so we put our heads together and we came up with this retreat, Hombres por Cristo, Men for Christ. It doesn't translate, por in Spanish means more than just, it means kind of like through or united to. So the idea is, is these are men who are united to Christ, who are living their life through Christ. And the second year of our retreat, we, we added to the title, we say, Hombres por Cristo y para Cristo. And this is probably the most fun thing about hombres por Cristo y para Cristo is at any point in the retreat when somebody says hombres por Cristo, everybody else shouts y para Cristo, (laughs) which is very fun to say. But por Cristo, men who are united to Christ, uh, kind of living in communion with him. And then in para is and they're ready to serve him. They're ready to live out of that identity and serve him and, and do something. They're, in the language of enigma, they're ready to give themselves away. So um, over the past three or four years, this uh, retreat has developed, which has been um, a really beautiful experience. And like enigma, it's not just focused on priesthood, but we've challenged young people is what do you think God wants to do with your life? We all have a role to play. You know, some of these guys, one of the really interesting things is, um, you know, the official language of the retreat is Spanish, but probably what's spoken the most is Spanglish because some guys who uh, are, you know, have immigrated here, you know, they speak Spanish, but a lot of guys who were born in the U.S. or moved here at a young age, they're more comfortable with English and a lot of their their Spanish is kind of Spanglish. So there's kind of this blend of... Um, languages that we that we actually end up using. Um, but 
bringing all the guys together and, and reflecting, okay, you're part of the church here. How do you think God wants to work your life? Uh, we've been blessed to have a married couples speak to them about the vocation of marriage and what that means. We've been blessed to have religious priests talk to them. Father Marco Sanchez came one year and spoke to them about being a Trinitarian and what it means to be religious. Uh, myself and you know some other priests, we've talked to them about being diocesan priest. And it's really been a rich time just to consider um, you know, what God wants to do in their life. One of the great fruits of this retreat is uh, for the first time in a long time, maybe ever, we have a Hispanic seminarian, Javier Zavala. So he's from Honduras and he participated in this retreat for two years. And the Lord started stirring something with him that first year. I remember talking to him and, and sitting next to him at lunch and him saying, you know, Padre, God's asking something of me, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? And I said, you know, we'll just pray and keep listening, you know, see what he wants to do. And it took about a year to kind of gestate, but it, he realized the Lord's asking him to go to seminary. But one of the, one of the big difficulties was seeing himself on the poster when there wasn't anyone who looked like him there. So that was one of the great helps in our retreats as we have some of our seminarians come. And one of the things Archbishop Brody has asked our seminarians to do is to learn Spanish. And so they take Spanish courses throughout their seminary career, which is six to eight years. All of them spend at least one full summer of immersion in Mexico studying. And one really neat thing, and, and this I attribute to the genius of Archbishop, this really, I think he had a vision for this and, and it has come into fruition, is having guys learn Spanish to be able to more effectively minister to Hispanic population, to bridge that gap, and to be able to welcome them to take more and more ownership of the church here that they're a part of on our native soil. And I remember some of our seminarians who can speak Spanish well, being on that retreat, making an impact with Javier because they're speaking to him in Spanish. And um, I remember him telling me that as he got to be friends with them, as he talked to them, then he was able to start seeing himself able to enter into this fraternity amongst the seminarians, but, uh, and, but also to kind of be in that position of studying to be a priest in the larger Catholic community. And so that's just been really exciting to see happen. And one of the big things that Archbishop has been strong with the guys of, okay, y'all need to learn Spanish, but then Javier, his first task when he did enter seminary was to learn English. And I know Archbishop is proud of him, I am too, but within a year of being in seminary, he was speaking more or less perfect English, which he really dedicated himself to it and, and, and kind of poured himself into it. But the, the whole impetus of Hombre por Cristo, the whole impetus of Javier becoming a seminary, learning, learning uh, English, is so that we can more effectively take care of our native soil. These are the actual concrete needs of the people of God in the southern half of Alabama. A lot of people speak English. A lot of people speak Spanish. And so us as uh, priests, but us as faithful, we have to be sensitive to this. And what are we willing to do to help bridge some of those gaps and help build up the body of Christ in the southern half of Alabama? So um, one, I'll say one last thing about this, just connected. You know, we talked to, I talked to you about Enigma a couple weeks ago. So Hombre por Cristo was born first. And when we came to uh, develop Enigma, 
most of the structure of Enigma was based on what we had figured out with Hombre por Cristo. We tweaked things and, and things were different, but some of the kind of the big structural parts was what me and Olga Villar and Father Travis had figured out kind of in that first Hombres retreat and tweaked it over the years. And so I mentioned that too, because it's when we start, when we start giving ourselves to what the Spirit's asking us, and we start handing ourselves over to the concrete needs of the people of God, everyone is enriched. Everybody is helped. The Lord is so good at weaving things together, you know, and even as distinct as the African-American community and the Hispanic community could be, these two movements have kind of like gone together. And it's a testament to just the way the Holy Spirit uh, acts. So I ask you to please pray for vocations. Pray for vocations to the priesthood, yes, to religious life, to the married life, to the consecrated single life, but pray that they emerge from every corner of our diocese, from every ethnic group, from every uh, socioeconomic group, because that's what our church is. That's what is actually part of our native soil. And so, and we see the, the first fruits with Javier, but I, I'm, I'm very hopeful that there'll be more Hispanic, there will be African-American, there'll be this more, there'll be kind of this springtime that will happen as we, as we put new seeds of faith into our native soil. So let's pray to our Blessed Mother for more vocations in every way. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy own Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Through her intercession, memory, God bless you all. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless y'all. See you back here soon on Native Soil. Mm-hmm.